this week as we continue through the study of Christ as our Redeemer and what that means. Um, we're going to be looking at this idea of imputed righteousness. So last week we looked at this idea that, that death is the punishment for sin and that the Redeemer had to die um, in order that we might be redeemed through him. So the, the, it was necessary that Christ die because only through the shed blood uh, can sin be forgiven and, and Christ as the perfect God, man, that dual nature of Christ, is his sacrifice effective for our salvation. So today we're going to get into this idea of imputed righteousness. So question 25, does Christ's death mean that all our sins can be forgiven? Yes, because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin, God graciously imputes Christ's righteousness to us as if it were our own, and will remember our sins no more. 1 Corinthians 5.21, then, a verse that I encourage you to memorize and, and uh, continue to reflect on, says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake he made him, that is Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the first question we need to ask is, is what is imputed righteousness? Uh, at its core, this idea is, is simply that something that wasn't ours now belongs to us. So, so God looks at us because of the work of Christ and sees Christ's righteousness rather than our own. It, it belongs to us. Um, Think of Romans 4, 3, where Paul, reflecting on Abraham, says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed, had faith in God, and it was then counted to him. That faith made the righteousness of God belong to Abraham. So it was counted to him uh, as righteousness. Theologian Wayne Grudem says it this way, when we say that God imputes Christ's righteousness to us, it means that God thinks of Christ's righteousness as belonging to us or regards it as belonging to us. He reckons it to our account. Paul, Paul will go on to say in, in Romans 4, talking about Abraham, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. In this way, Christ's righteousness becomes ours. And so this is what imputed righteousness is. It is Christ's righteousness becoming our righteousness. And as we look at this idea of imputed righteousness, there are actually two other things that are imputed as we think about justification, a term that we will define more fully in a few weeks as we look at justification and sanctification side by side. Um, but we, we can see Adam's sin imputed to us. Consider Romans chapter 5. Or it says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5 pretty clearly lays out this idea that, that the sin of Adam becomes our sin. Um, and that we have this 
in our very nature, something that we'll explore again in a few minutes. So we have Adam's sin imputed to us. And then if we go back to our verse, 1 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Um, we see our sin imputed to Christ. He takes on our sin at the cross and pays the penalty for that sin. And so he dies in our stead. And then we have Christ's righteousness, the end of, of 1 Corinthians 5.21, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, Christ's righteousness imputed to us. And Christ's righteousness is imputed to us on the basis of faith. As we think about some of these things, we have to understand them in light of really all of Paul's argument. Because Romans 5 unpacks this idea, but if you just read Romans 5 in isolation, you you could maybe come to some, some faulty understandings around this idea of how Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. But going back to Romans 3, uh, specifically verses 25 and 26, it says this, it, it, was sh it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Even the beginnings, uh, beginning of Romans 5, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, God sees Christ's righteousness as our own, credits it, credits it to our account on the basis of faith in Christ, not on the basis of our own works, as Romans 5, 17 through 19 will say, For if because of the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And so it is by Christ's work and by faith in Christ that his righteousness is imputed to our account, that through faith we have been justified. We have been made righteous before God. Uh, one article I was, I was reading about this says it this way, the doctrines of imputation and justification are inextricably linked. God does not justify or declare righteous sinners on the basis of their own good works, but on the basis of the obedience and suffering of Christ received through imputation and grasped by faith alone. And so Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness through faith, not, uh, not in any work of our own that we might boast, but by grace through faith so that we might boast in God alone. Now, the other part of our question this week and answer is, Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sins, so it means all our sins can be forgiven. There is maybe a natural step in thinking where we might come to the conclusion, well, if, if Christ's sacrifice pays the penalty for all my sin, and it's not on the basis of my work, but his work, can't I just live however I want to and God will forgive me? Um, and, and almost anticipating the question, Paul continues in Romans to answer that very 
question. Uh, so you have Romans 5 where you see we are justified by faith. It is a work of Christ. Uh, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. All of that is unpacked. All the things that we have just been talking about are unpacked in Romans 5. And then Romans 6 Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of of life. And so this imputed righteousness where we still wrestle with the old sin nature, Paul will go on to talk about that in Romans 8 uh, and in Romans 7. We still wrestle and struggle with sin. We are not perfect in that sense, but we are righteous before God on the basis of Christ's work. So we are justified, but still need to be sanctified. And we'll, again, unpack those terms further in a couple of weeks. But what that means for us now is that as we think about imputed righteousness, there's responsibility on our part to walk in the newness of life, that we surrender daily to Christ, that we, we strive in his strength and his power by the work of the Spirit in us to walk in the newness of life. Down in verse 15 of Romans 6, Paul will say, Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Same idea as verse 1. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And so we are to walk in the newness of life. We are to live as slaves of righteousness, not of sin. And, and Paul says something similar in Ephesians, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 2, where he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He goes on to say, by grace you have been saved through faith. And then he gets down to um, verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So uh, several points where we see this idea that we are sinners by nature and by choice, that, that Adam's sin is imputed to us, and that as people who are justified by faith, Christ's righteousness is then imputed to us. Our responsibility, what we do in response to that is that we live, walk in the newness of life, uh, doing those good works that God prepared in advance for us to walk in. And so there's a, a responsibility, an, an outworking, if you will, of imputed righteousness. So we don't sin that God continues to forgive and grace abounds, but we walk in the newness of life, surrendering day by day to Christ, taking up our cross and following 